Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Big Bang doesn't do it. The earth and the sky and all that God made, they can clearly see, this is very interesting, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. So why do they do this? Because Satan's the great deceiver. Notice, as you understand this, these people simply refuse to believe regardless of the supernatural signs that God has already displayed. Why do some people refuse to believe the truth of God's word? Well, some would say that it's because they need to see a miracle in order to believe. However, today, Pastor Mark challenges that assumption. He points out scriptures that clearly show that even if people saw miracles for some people, this would not be enough. Jesus said that if people would not believe the testimony of the Old Testament, they wouldn't believe even if they saw someone rise from the dead. We all have seen the powerful witness of God's creation, yet some still push God's truth away. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Faith or Signs. Matthew, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12. We have some supposedly wise people in our universities. A university professor of oceanography has figured out scientifically how Jesus walked on water. I'm very, this, I'm very serious. This is, this is a whole article. Huge. Been studying it forever. This is our tax dollars. This is exciting. Here's what he says. The study points to a rare combination, this is 2,000 years ago now, of optimal water and atmospheric conditions for the development of a unique localized freezing phenomena that Knopf and his co-authors called spring ice. So 2,000 years ago, now these are the guys that tell us, you know, tomorrow it's going to rain. <laughs> and there's no rain. But 2,000 years ago they were pretty accurate. So here's what he says. What happened during this spring ice that this ice, there was a floating patch on the Sea of Galilee. Well, from the side, you couldn't tell that the, when Jesus walked on the water that it wasn't water. But actually, Jesus simply walked on a piece of ice in the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Do you know what? To become an atheist today, you have to have more faith than a believer. <laughs> Can you believe that? You know, Jesus was a great hockey player in Israel. Did you know that? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. 
I mean, so what is this all about? Well, we make a little fun of it, but it's about people not believing God or God's word. By the way, this does explain why Peter went under. Because Pete forgot to bring his ice skates right to the bottom. Didn't have a piece of ice to be on, no. In Matthew chapter 12, we're going to hear a lot about signs. What sign would you need today to prove to you that there is a God? What sign could God give you to show you his love for you and that Jesus was real and that the cross was real and the empty tomb was real. What kind of proof or signs would you need? This is what our teaching is about as we begin. Verse 38, chapter 12. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Now how many signs... Did Jesus show these Pharisees and teachers already? I mean, what else do they need? They wanted to have a sign that would prove to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, just a few days before this, for us in Matthew 9, we saw Jesus fulfill a lot of things from the Old Testament that the Messiah would come and and blinded eyes would be open and ears would be unstopped and people could hear. On that one day, a woman was healed of an incurable disease. Twelve years she had it. Just right after that, a 12-year-old girl was raised from the dead. Then a blind person was given sight, and last a demon possessing mute was delivered and could hear. What does it take? Why do they need another sign? You see, the key was this. The Pharisees, oh, they had all the signs they needed, but they refused to believe. In fact, as you know, what happened was they claimed that the way Jesus did this was that he had the power of Satan. Now, First thing you want to write in, it goes a little bit of against our grain, but you have to understand the truth of this opening statement. Miracles and signs often don't convince a person of their need of God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there was an incredible miracle. They still refuse to believe. No sign will change that. These Pharisees... Jesus is going to give a sign. He's going to give a sign of his resurrection. Do you know that when he is resurrected, they refuse still to believe? So that tells us this morning, there has to be something besides visual proof. There has to be something besides a sign in the spiritual world called belief. Keep your finger right there in Matthew. We'll be shortly back. Turn back to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews Chapter 11. You see, what proof do you need today in this spiritual world? What is going to convince you that there is a heaven, that you are a sinner, that you and I need a savior, and that's why God came? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we know this verse. It said, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. Faith. Every person, every person is given a measure 
of faith. The book of Hebrews also tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Another definition of faith is in the New Living Translation, same verse, look how it reads. What is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot, keyword, yet see. In other words, whatever God said in here, well, we can't prove there's a heaven today, but I know it's going to happen. When will that faith find its proof? When I get there. That's what faith is. It's trusting what God said is true. Because eventually, it will be proven to us. So, the Pharisees say, give us a sign. Next thing to write. A sign and faith are often basically just opposites. You see, visual proof is evidence of one thing. Unbelief. We saw God. And we saw his world. The beautiful world of rocks and Water and the ocean and hills and children and the ability to talk and to walk and to surf and to, to love people. All of that that we witness by our eyes visually are signs and proof of a loving creator. You see, creation demands a creator. Design demands a designer. Well, Paul wrote about this refusal to believe. Even though there's evidence and there's signs everywhere, people still refuse, as they would if somebody was healed supernaturally from rising from the dead. Look at Romans chapter 1, 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. So it's not that they don't have truth. God's word said, my word is true. They have truth, but they push it away purposely from themselves. They push it away. It's an act they don't want to believe. It goes on. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. Why? God has put this knowledge in their hearts. Guys, understand there's an incredible attack against God's word today. You can show them this verse kindly at some point because this verse says that everyone knows there's a God. You might be here this morning and say, well, I don't believe it. Well, that's because you've done what with the truth? You've pushed it away. Because notice he says the truth about God is instinctively known to you. He put it in your heart. That's what Ecclesiastes sees. God has put eternity in my heart. Then Paul goes on and he tells us why. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all God has made. They've seen it. There's visual proof. The creation demands a creator. Big bang doesn't do it. The earth and the sky and all that God made, they can clearly see, this is very interesting, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. So why do they do this? Because Satan's the great deceiver. Notice, as you understand this, these people simply refuse to believe regardless of the supernatural signs that God has already displayed. Jesus was in process right at the moment when they're asking for a sign of fulfilling 300 Old Testament prophecies. If they would have simply opened their Bibles in faith, 
they would have seen all over the Old Testament. These are the Old Testament scholars. These are the people that knew the Old Testament. If they would have simply opened it with an eye of faith, they would have been so obvious to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Understand as we do this, that this challenge to us about faith is simply there. Now, John 6, 63, 64, notice what it says. See, the word of God has to be mixed with faith. Watch this. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you here who do not believe. Jesus says these words I've spoken to you, well, they're truth, but they haven't affected you. Why? Because you won't believe. Now, you're right in Hebrews. Skip over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, you're right there. Verse 2. The next thing you want to write is this. The word must be mixed with faith to produce life. You just can't read the word and go, well, I'm not sure that's true or not. You you read the word and say, God, it's true. See, the world says, you show me and I'll believe. God says, no, 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 no. You believe and I'll show you. Don't get the cart before the horse. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, notice what it says. You're right there. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So if we're studying God's word and you go, well, I'm not, that's cool. It's not, it reads it. It says that, but I, he rose from the dead. Wow, that's cool. But I really, really don't believe it. Well, it won't affect you. There won't be any change in your life because you have to mix it with faith. Well, Pastor Mark, prove to me there's heaven. I can't other than God says there is. Do you know I can't prove to you that you're going to die, but I know you are. Do you know why? Because I have a gun right here and I'll show you. <laughs> no, I can prove it to you because of one thing. The Bible says what? It's appointed unto man once to die. That's always proven true. And after that, the judgment. Understand where faith has to come in. Understand the attack on the word of God. Let me speak a moment about the Gnostic Gospels. You've heard it, haven't you? The Gospel of Judas. Are those Gnostic Gospels new to us? No. They've been here since the book of 1 John. John talked about it. This Gnosticism was something that they attacked 2,000 years ago. Let me show you how this works in a very simple thing. Let me give you an example. The Book of Mormon. The Mormon people are wonderful people. But the Book of Mormon is not true. It's all lies. It's filled with a bunch of lies. But you've probably been in a hotel, especially if you've been in a Marriott or whatever. In there is a Bible and the Book of Mormon. So let's go ahead 2,000 years. And all of a sudden on the headlines, a Book of Mormon is found. They carbon date it. And it is 2,000 years old. Could that be true? Could that be true? Well, sure it could be true. For sure, because there is a Book of Mormon. So they found one. They carbon dated. It's 2,000 years old. Does it mean the Book of Mormon is true? No, because 2,000 years ago it wasn't what? True. Do you get it? The Gnostic Gospel of Judas is 2,000 years old. We know that. 1,800 years old about, approximately. We know it. It wasn't true then. It's not true now. Do you get it? It doesn't take a brain to do this. Why do I get excited? Because of this. The world is now confused. Satan is the great deceiver. Well, I guess that Judas and Jesus were buddies. And that Judas, well, the book of Judas says that Jesus said, you're my number one man. Really? 
Well, then what does that say in here about what the Bible says? On the night when he was betrayed, it says this is a lie and the gospel of Judas is the truth. Which one are you going to believe? So the people that put our Bible together 1,900 years ago saw these. There's hundreds of these Gnostic Gospels. They looked at it because it wasn't valid. It's still not valid. It doesn't mean they didn't find it. I'm probably sure it is a real copy, but it's a copy of untruth. Do you get it? Don't be upset in your beliefs. So you have to mix faith with truth. Now, head on back to the book of Matthew. If you think that was something, wait till the next thing Jesus does. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. Read your newspapers. Follow what's happening. Good stuff. Good stuff. Verse 39. They asked for a sign. What's Jesus going to do? Watch this. He answered... A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus says, you want a sign? I'll give you one more sign. You can relate to it, he says to the, to the Jews, because, well, it's about somebody you know about. Jonah. You remember, and then Jesus is going to say, I'm going to relate to Jonah. My death, burial, and resurrection are going to relate to Jonah. Here's the story of Jonah, so you know it. Jonah, Old Testament prophet. This country, people of Nineveh, Gentiles, pagans, caused Israel enormous pain and suffering. One day God said to Jonah, I want you to go and tell and preach that there's one God to this pagan Gentile city. Jonah said, not a chance. He ran from God, got on a boat, God brought a storm, Jonah said, I'm the reason for the storm. They threw him overboard. You know the story. He went into a large fish, stayed three days, three nights in the fish. Fish got sick of Jonah, threw him up. (laughs) Jonah came out whitewashed. He went, hmm, stop and think. I think I'll go to Nineveh now. (laughs) And off he went. And he preached, and Nineveh repented. So Jesus says, hey guys, you know the story of Jonah. Here's the truth you want to write down, and it's going to shock you a little bit, but you have to write it down this morning. Jesus believed the Old Testament story of Jonah and the great fish. Do you? Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe Jesus ice skated on the Sea of Galilee, but come on. I mean a big fish for three days and three days. Come on. Jesus believed it. He believed it. Careful now. Hook. (laughs) Line and sinker. He believed it all. Did he? Well, watch what he says. Take a look at the next verse. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus, I'm giving you a sign. It has to do with three days. It has to do with three nights. Notice, number one, Jesus knew he was going to die. Jesus knew how long he would be in the grave. Jesus knew that he would be resurrected by the power of God. He knew it. This was the sign. 
Now, in Matthew 16, 21, Jesus predicted that he would raise from the dead on the third day. Then in Mark 8, 31, Jesus says he'll rise after three days. And then again here, Jesus says he'll be in the grave three days and three nights. Now, what's up with this? How can all of these statements, how can all of these statements be true? Very simple. This statement of three days and three nights didn't cause any, not even a click in the Jewish people as they listened to it because of this. The solution lies in the understanding of how Jews measured time. According to a Hebrew idiom that was in place at this particular time, any part of a day could be counted as the whole day and night. So there's really two things in theory about this. Here's the one that I believe. I know there's another one, and it's possible that actually it was on Thursday that he was crucified and so forth. But I really believe this is the one. The Jewish Talmud held this. Any part of a day is the whole. So Jesus was simply using a common, well-understood generalization. What did it mean? This part of the word was ona, O-N-A-H. It meant that any part of a day or any part of a day and a night. So Jesus died on Friday, Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday, one day, part of a day, Sunday morning, part of a day, part of a night. It's very simple. It just means most Bible scholars believe he did die on Friday. He was resurrected on Sunday morning. So Jesus says, I'm giving you a sign. Just like Jonah was in there for three days and three nights, I'm going to be in there. Jonah came out alive. I'm coming out alive. Now, by the way, when he did come out alive and they saw the sign that they asked for, did the Pharisees believe it? No, they didn't believe it. In fact, what did they do? They went to the Roman authorities and said, we have to come up with a lie here. We have to say that the disciples stole the body. So see, even though he came and raised from the dead, it wasn't because it wasn't true. They refused to believe it. There was no faith mixed with it. Well, look at verse 41. Jesus is going to condemn this really, really harsh. He actually slams the unbelief of the Jewish believers. Look what he says. Now, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation. In other words, the people there, the unbelieving Jews, and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. What is Jesus saying? He says this. When Jonah went and preached, these pagan Gentiles, they repented when they heard the truth. But you... One greater than Jonah has just preached to you, Jesus and John the Baptist. You refuse to believe. So the people of Nineveh, in effect, will rise up and judge you. They were pagan Gentiles. Ooh, did that get the Jews? But they had more faith with the teacher of Jonah than you do with the Son of God. The Jews mistakenly believed that seeing a visible sign from God would cause them to believe in him. But this isn't true. In today's message, Pastor Mark explained that just the opposite is true. Often the desire to see a sign is proof of unbelief. Miracles don't automatically produce faith. Man says, show me and I'll believe. But God says, believe and I'll show you. Are you looking for a sign when God is calling you to believe in him? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. There are some who question the story of Jonah and the great fish today. To them, it just seems too implausible. But in the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will remind us that Jesus himself believed the story of Jonah as history. He even linked that history with his own resurrection. In addition, Pastor Mark will warn that people can be demon-possessed if they don't know Christ. You are safe in Jesus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given